Hello and welcome back to Meet the Chefs. Today I'm out in New York, this time in Queens, with Cal at Bel Air Diner. Bel Air is one of the oldest diners in Queens, which is pretty much the diner capital of the world, maybe safe from New Jersey. Now this conversation is really fantastic and extremely wide-ranging as always. We talk about diner culture, diner food, and also get really into the weeds on Cal's experience with Gordon Ramsay. Yes, that's right, Bel Air Diner was the first episode in the new series of Kitchen Nightmares, and Cal has quite a lot to say on what that experience was like and how it really impacted his business. He says he would love to be able to warn others about taking part, so maybe this is his chance to do just that. This isn't just about TV though, there's so, so much more fascinating stuff in this conversation, so I really hope that you enjoy our chat. Welcome back to the show. I'm here in a true diner here in New York, out in Queens with Cal. Um, firstly, I'm just going to get you to introduce yourself and Bel Air. So, uh, how do I phrase this? Forgive me. Am I talking to the audience? Am I talking to you? To me. To you. All right. So, hi, Oliver. I'm Cal. Um, this is my family's diner. It's been here since 1965. And it's been in my family for, it'll be... Uh, we just closed 25 years, so it was 25 years in March. It's a very long time. I, I grew up here. I had absolutely no idea it was that long. That's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> yeah, so. it's, I mean, not, not the oldest diner in uh -huh. Queens. There's older ones, but it is here a very, very long time. And so you said you've been, obviously you've been here, grew up here, as I said. Have you, was your idea and your intention always to take over the diner? Or was that something you sort of fell into later along the line? So being the firstborn, uh -huh. um, it's kind of, not so subtly suggested that I would take over. You know, my father was always like, yes, go to school, uh -huh. become a doctor, become a lawyer, become this, but... And then run the diner. Yeah, exactly. It actually, it's happened to friends, you know, uh -huh. like they've taken over their father's business with law degrees or... Uh -huh. um, but, yeah, it, it... I grew up, not grew up watching my father, but I remember going to work with my father when he was uh -huh. baking in other diners and just being fascinated watching uh -huh. him. And that was probably when I first started to fall in love with cooking. Mm -hmm. I was terrible at it for a very long time, mm -hmm. but I, it first piqued my interest. I, was, I remember being probably eight or nine years old and being in the basement of another diner and he was making cookies and breads and all these other mm -hmm. things and just fascinated. So, yeah, not, not really pushed, but pushed. And if you had to explain to listeners Belair Diner in like a sentence, how would you pitch it? How would you sell it? Classic American diner, like uh -huh. stainless steel on the walls, mm -hmm. you know, home cooked, home cooked meals, meatloafs, burgers, all the American stuff that you can want in a clean, fun, friendly place. And I mean, we have listeners from all over the world, and not all of them, but some of the, I think most people have a stereotypical view of an American diner in their head, right? But if you had to sort of explain diner culture and diner food to people not from the US, how would you? It's so strange because, like, explaining it to other people because I grew up around... it's so normal. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, uh -huh. Connecticut, they're diner capital of the world. Yeah, absolutely, you know? yeah. But it, it's something you don't, you don't see anywhere else. I've been to other countries, uh -huh. I've eaten other places, you don't... The, the whole feel of it, the, the booths, mm -hmm. uh, feel like they're a diner thing. The, the steel everywhere, the, that railroad car look, mm -hmm. 
the, the, you know, the brightness of it. There's windows everywhere. You know, you just don't get that in other places. The, the size of the menu is another, it's a huge diner thing. Yeah. You know, we have, even now, there, our smallest menu ever now is 180 <laughs> items. Um, it used to be over a thousand, so. A thousand? A thousand. I mean, what, what are the challenges for that? For you in the ki I mean in the kitchen that must be so so difficult. Yeah, I mean part of it is just <laughs> I, part of cutting down the menu was just like getting rid of some of the repeats. Yeah, you know a chicken sandwich with with cheese or another chicken yeah. sandwich with another kind of you cheese or another name like exactly. That. So cut that out. But the big challenge is just keeping consistency when you have so many things uh -huh. and keeping stock. Right. Yeah, I mean. 180 items, you know, obviously like 20 of them are grilled chicken, 20 of them are burgers, 10 are here and there, but still there's, there's, there's the nuances, there's the different cheeses, there's different breads, there's different everything, you know, we make all our own homemade sauces, honey mustard, blue cheese, and there's 10 of them, maybe 20 of them actually, so it is challenging. Do you think that that makes working in a diner kitchen something completely different to any, almost any other chef role? Absolutely. It's it's more of a focus on I want to say it's it's a it's more focus on quality and speed as opposed uh -huh. to presentation in in most diners. You know, you get fast good food. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't always look pretty, but it always tastes good. You know, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges with a huge menu and a and a busy place mm -hmm. is is the presentation. I want to come back to the history a little bit as well, because obviously you, that's a massive asset for you guys because you're well established. But has it also been a challenge to know when and how to evolve over the years? I think you always have to change a little bit. You want to stay true to the to your diner core. You know, we have 180 items on the menu. I don't think it's getting any smaller. You know, it can't, or else we will lose ourselves as diner. We'll become a Greek restaurant or an American restaurant. We don't want that, but you do have to change with the times, you know. Uh, pancake tacos or, <laughs> you know, like things that I never thought I'd be serving. Just, you know, everything covered in bacon and cheese, like kind of the quintessential gross part of American food yeah. where everything's just doused in sauce, yeah. but it's popular and people want mm -hmm. it. So we've, we've gone from, I mean, I, a little bit more, I guess, home style and refined uh -huh. to a little bit more Americana, like covered yeah, in sauce, greasy, not greasy, greasy is not the right word, just Indulgent. Heavy. Yes, thank you, <laughs> indulgent. So, I mean, let's move on to the food as well, because I think that's a really interesting part about you guys, because you have loads of international options on the menu as well, and obviously you've got a Greek background mm -hmm. as well. Could you explain to listeners how that comes through in the menu? Maybe like pick out a few of the dishes that are your absolute favorites and things you're really passionate about. So, I mean, my favorite dish in here is probably our chicken papaya. It's not really international or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's, a, it's good. It's really uh -huh. good. Now, as far as international dishes, I mean, our spinach pie is awesome. Uh, I grew up eating that. It's my mother's recipe, actually. Uh -huh. Oh, fantastic. Uh, some of this, the Spanish food we have. Uh, we do a Peruvian-style rotisserie chicken. Wow. Not, a, uh, not today, we have it on the weekends, but uh -huh. that's also good with rice and beans. We have a lot of Spanish cooks, Mexican, Guatemalan, you know, Venezuelan, and they all, we, they all impart a little bit of their own twist on things. As far as the, you know, the Italian food, a lot of those recipes were given to us by 
I mean, I was told, I was a little too young, but uh, told by some of our early customers, like our matzo ball recipe is from one of our early customers. My, I think my father attempted to make it and failed, and we ended up getting a recipe from a, from a customer, so that's been handed down. Our marinara sauce has been handed down from, from a customer. And you've got this incredible community here in, in Queens. Just how important is that to you? Like, do you have people coming in every single day? Is, and are those the most important customers to you? Oh, absolutely. The people, is that what keeps you going? Yeah, yeah. The people you see every day. Uh, we've had customers that met here, then got engaged here. Uh, I've seen their kids grow up. You know, I'm I'm not that old. I'm like I'm 39, uh -huh. but I I remember. Uh, mom's pregnant with their kids and now the kids are going to college <laughs> we've been here so long and it's like whoa you know when when did that happen uh -huh. like I remember you as a child yeah so and, and there must be a really special thing for you to go on that journey with them right and that must give you guys a special place in their heart as well presumably yeah I mean we're we're their go-to restaurant and it's it's weird it's almost like seeing snapshots of their life you know because some, some people come every day, some come once a week or twice a week, but you know, you, you see them like, all right, they're born, then you see them as kids, then all of a sudden they're walking, mm -hmm. then next thing you know they're in school and they're excited and, and there's all these things. So it's like you see snapshots of a person's life and, and you're there along the journey, like not completely immersed in it, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a wonderful feeling to watch like the kids grow up around you, families come together and all this other great stuff. And I mean, there must be, obviously you're in the kitchen, but there's also so many other sides to the business, the business side. How do you balance that and where do you think your like, speciality lies? Because it's so, I mean, it's so hard to stay across everything, if you know yeah. what I mean. I mean, I'm, I'm ba I basically oversee the whole operation. Uh -huh. I'm not so much in the weeds cooking anymore. Yeah. Uh, places established, don't really have to anymore, just kind of walking by, tasting uh -huh. things. I wouldn't say I have a specialty. I, I do enjoy cooking, but that's not not really my day to day. It's mm -hmm. more overseeing, uh, managing the staff. The, has that changed over time? In the past, were you much more in the kitchen and focused on that? In in the past, the the place itself was much more, I guess, labor intensive, like physically labor intensive. Whereas now, I probably spend you know 20 to 30 hours a week in front of a computer uh -huh. between payroll and invoicing and that's you know insane, yeah. overseeing social media, like again things that didn't have to worry about before but now everything's online you know we, we update our menus online we have to update six different sites every time we do a menu change it's yeah. it's a lot and has that has that brought benefits or do you actually find it more trying having to, all the different things that come with online whether it's different takeout partners or as you say having to have social media like i mean how do you balance the massive benefits you get from that but also the extra hours you have to put into it so the benefits are, are tangible especially like for us it's i mean i think it's more of a detriment because we have been here so long and sure yeah yeah if you're a new upstart that you can like yeah they're the smaller pieces smaller newer places are faster moving than we are so our social media lags behind but it's not non-existent and there's also a charm to that i think people can also appreciate the fact that it's quite nice when you go to a restaurant that doesn't isn't every five seconds on social media posting a photo of their dish. Because I, I do sometimes think, like, if you're posting all of this stuff on social media, what are you, are you not cooking? <laughs> like, yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you see some places where they're posting three, four, five times a day, and it's like, yeah, are you running a business or a social media operation? Yeah. But that being said, like, it does give you a voice. It does give you a way to show things off that you would have never been able to, you know, before. Uh, you walk into a place, you ask for the special, and the waiter describes it as best they can, and you're like, ah, maybe yes or no. Now with social media. You know, I can show you a picture of it. I can take you step by step through how we make it. It is, it is powerful. Yes, it's, it's time consuming, but it allows us to do things that we could have never done before. Have you found yourself changing dishes to make them more social media? I mean, because obviously now there are some restaurants that are entirely based on dishes that look great on Instagram, basically. Yes. Have you found yourself changing appearances of dishes or changing how you construct them so that they look good on Instagram? I mean, the challenge as, a, as an owner, as a restaurant, is you always want dishes to look nice. Yeah, you know, yeah. people eat with their eyes, and, but yeah, I guess so. Like you follow, you start adding things to dishes that you may, and it's subconscious as well, I guess. It is. It, it kind of gets built into you. Like you look at a dish and like like cheese fries. Uh -huh. You know, classic diner disco uh -huh. fries, cheese like fries with mozzarella on them and gravy on top. Uh -huh. They don't look very good. You know, <laughs> like it's just yeah. fries with mozzarella it's a white plate on uh -huh. with white cheese on top but then you find yourself like all right maybe if i pour the gravy on it in a certain way or if i stack them in a certain way mm -hmm. yeah you do you absolutely do think about it with every dish and i mean i suppose it's sort of in the business side but as well as recently with we were talking about a little bit before with inflation and the challenges in the economic market at the moment how difficult was that being for you guys and other businesses like yours to adapt so i suppose for me a diner seems a place that's a more like relying on high turnover people so is that more challenging for you than maybe like a luxury restaurant where people are coming in once every month yeah i would say our our market we uh -huh. want to be the family place we want to be the place you can go to you know three times a week so it's a balance between rising costs mm -hmm. and you know keeping keeping our menu in a, at a price range where people can come two or three times a week, where we don't price ourselves out. We're not, you know, we're not an indulgent, not an, um, we're not a fancy place and yeah. we don't want to be. Yeah. So, you know, we want to see our customers three yeah. times a week. And have you had to raise prices because of, because of inflation? Presumably, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not, I think less than inflation. Our menu has probably gone up 20% since the start of COVID, which is really not that That's bad. Insane. Compared to a lot of places, it's <laughs> yeah. really not that bad at all. Yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, we've we've changed some other things of, you know, you, you mess with portion sizes a little bit because diners are known for huge portion sizes. Yeah, but if it's, you're just throwing it away. Exactly, you know, cutting out like three or four french fries on a plate, most customers are not going to notice, but at the end of the week, or at the end of the year rather, it's thousands of dollars. Yeah, exactly. So, stuff, stuff like that. I do want to talk to you about your TV appearance on Kitchen Nightmares. And I'm, I'm, I'm limited in what yeah, I can say. Yeah, I imagine you are. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you about not so much the show itself. Okay. Because I think that's a that's a really interesting thing. But as I say, I Did imagine you, see you... Sorry? Did you see it? I saw the first 15 minutes of it. And I actually didn't watch the rest. I'm okay. going to be honest. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's no hit on you guys. I just... I'm not a massive fan of Gordon Ramsay personally, and that's not. I no longer am either. Yeah, well, I mean, first, I mean, the process of the show. How, firstly, how jarring is that at first when they come in, and secondly, the impact afterwards. I mean, is it positive, negative? Do you get like a bounce? Does that continue? I mean, basically, 
the whole shebang, <laughs> or as much as you can say. As yeah, you say. I mean, uh, I think people are really interested in the background of how it actually works behind the scenes. Yeah, and honestly, I would love to be able to warn more restaurants about it. So they reached out to us uh, through. They reached out to you. Yes. Okay. I don't know if it was. It was through our website. Actually, they did like a, a direct message request, like, "Hey, we're going to be." We're going to be in town. We're looking for restaurants that want to be renovated. Said nothing about Kitchen Nightmares. Um, you know, I, I even asked, is this going to be Kitchen Nightmares? They said no. Uh, we signed contracts that said it wasn't going to be Kitchen Nightmares. No, I'm sorry. We signed contracts that didn't say that it was didn't say Kitchen Nightmares. They didn't yeah, explicitly not, say it wouldn't correct, be. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was Gordon Ramsay renovation show, and they came in with big promises. Hey, we're going to make the place brand new. Uh -huh. um, we're going to bring in equipment from whatever we can. Which they did do. They, the equipment they did, but nothing I needed, yeah. and right, they, right. and and the upgrades were also nothing I needed as well. I mean, we there's got, no consultation at all as to what they 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 asked me for some recommendations, uh -huh. but ultimately, um, I mean, even low hanging fruit like just painting the place, yeah, white walls that could have been done overnight. We were closed for five days anyway. Yeah, you know, I lost sixty thousand dollars worth of revenue. It's not, that's not a little number, you know, we're a big place and we're successful. We didn't need a kitchen nightmare. We didn't need the overhaul, but hey, you're on TV. You always assume it's going to be good for you. Yeah. Um, and you're thinking like, all right, it's not kitchen nightmares. It's something else. It's something, a new format, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because he has done other shows. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. He's done other stuff. Especially recently in the UK, he had a whole other thing. It was like 24 hours. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Or Hell's, Hell on Wheels. Yeah, Wheels. exactly. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'd love to meet Ramsey. I've, mm -hmm. I followed him for years. I think he's a great chef. He uh -huh. knows what he's doing. You know, it's like uh, at the time, you know, a couple of months ago, I was like, oh, he's my idol. I would love to meet the yeah, man. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, then, you know, going on, the whole process was, I don't know if normally TV's like this, but it was all disorganized, disjointed. You know, we were told to be here at eight. Filming didn't start till 10. I paid, Having words on TV is often very disorganized. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I remember on one of the days, the day before, you know, he found all the oil in the kitchen, we, we had done catering for like 2,000 people oh from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. We had to be out of the restaurant by 8 a.m. Because he had, uh, I forget what they were doing, but they needed, they needed the place for themselves. So we did catering because it was already on the books. They had yeah. agreed to it. Um, so we did, yeah, $2,000 and 2,000 people worth of catering. And we cooked 2,000 hamburgers. That's a lot of grease. Yeah. So when you see when you see it in the show, it's like and there's no context. Of that it. exactly. Yeah. That was there from the morning. I just didn't get a chance to clean it. We uh -huh. clean it every night. Anyways, that doesn't thing. You asked mm. the uh, what Office, what it's yeah. been like. Yeah. So it's been very very mixed. Uh -huh. You know, we we still get it's been three months uh -huh. since the show aired. We still get prank callers. You know, like, I don't know what these people are doing with their lives, but, <laughs> the, you know, uh, we still get prank callers. We have, I've seen a lot of new customers. I guess they were introduced to the place, uh -huh. coming to check out what, what's happened, what Ramsey did, how, how it functions. And do, peop do people ask you about it a lot when they come in? Yeah, I felt like for the first week or two after the show aired, it was all I was talking about. Yeah, which, I mean, and as I say, do you, so, do you think the impact was more positive than negative? In my case, definitely negative. Really? And is that purely on perception or is it literally, in, as you say, lost revenue, lost? Uh, all of the above. Uh -huh. Perception, you know, alienation of my customers, mm -hmm. uh, mis 
misrepresenting the way my kitchen looked. Yeah, do you get no editorial direction on the how? Nothing at all. I, I don't get to, you know, I think I was in the show for a grand total of, you know, maybe five minutes on the episode, yeah. probably less. I spent close to, I want to say over 10 hours on camera interviewing. Yeah. I said so many things, you know. Just the offered context. Yeah. Exactly. Like, at least 10 hours. I mean, my exit interview, when they had done everything, was over two hours long. Two hours? Yeah. Oh, my God. I like to talk. Yeah, well, yeah, but still, <laughs> like... Yeah, they just asked me about everything, everything, and just, I don't think not one snippet of what I said made it into, made it into the exit interview. I remember, I remember voicing my displeasure with his, with his menu, voicing uh -huh. the displeasure with the, the amount that was done in the place. Yeah, the way he took on, that was, that was a, a bit I saw was the menu, and the cutting down of the menu to however many, like, five dishes or something uh, ridiculous. It's over there, you can probably count it. There's, yeah, I like, think, 12 dishes. 12 dishes. I mean, that to me, as I mean, you've described Dunner cuisine and how Dunner's work doesn't really make any sense. Do you feel like there was just a total lack of understanding from, of what, or do you think he just, like, it seems like every kitchen nightmare I've ever watched, he cuts down the menu and like, that's his big idea. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. When he, when he I mean, came in, cut it down, so. we did, we did. Absolutely. It was, there was a ton of things like the Coca van that he ate, they had no business being on the menu. Yeah. I, I don't know what I was thinking to, if I'm being honest, yeah, yeah. like, that was should not have been there. Uh, a couple other things that I ended up taking the the peanut chicken, the Thai right, peanut yeah, chicken yeah. that he that he ate also no business being on the uh -huh. menu. You know that's honestly that's pretty out of my wheelhouse uh -huh. and my chefs as well. But to take my, you know, to to rip rip out my my mm -hmm. restaurant's heart and soul, my diner's heart and soul, mm -hmm. and take a there were no like waffles or pancakes. No, <laughs> no, there's nothing. There's no waffles. There was no pancakes, which are. You know, two of my best sellers. There was no egg dishes. Also, one of so Which, it's all well and good for me to sit here laughing at how ridiculous it is now, but I can imagine at the time. Yeah, and, yeah. and people ask me, like, well, why, why didn't you keep his menu? I'm like, his his menu was missing. Like, I don't know, probably eighty percent of my top sellers. Yeah, which so I I can't keep yeah, that menu. That would destroy my business. Yeah. So it's it's all nice and dandy to say, hey, you know, we make ten items now, we make them amazing, uh -huh. but. What about the people who don't come here for those 10 yeah. items? Yeah, it doesn't work. Anyway, I want to move on from it because I'm yeah. not here to talk about Kitchen Nightmares <laughs> as much as I think it's a, it's a really interesting thing. You guys are about so much more than Yeah, I get, I get so... We can keep going. I can spend like three hours talking about it. I get so agitated. <laughs> I want to talk about how... We talked about the past and diners and how that's an asset but also a challenge. But going forward, how you plan to like to evolve and do things differently or whether you, you just want to keep things like, traditional as they are. Like, how do you see that going forward? And how do you balance it? Because well, I mean, it's cliche, but in any business or in anything in life, if, if, you're, if you're staying the same, you're dying. Like, if you're not moving, if you're dying. If you're not changing, you're dying. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing here. People want to see new things. Yes, we're going to have our core customers that are coming for the waffles that they love or the pancakes that they love. And we keep our core recipes the same, but mm -hmm. you have to do different things to go back to the pancake tacos. Mm -hmm. It's nothing crazy it's our regular pancake recipe but now we're adding you know we're adding in cheesecake and strawberry preserves mm -hmm. and then we're doing a homemade gravy with a homemade uh, sausage gravy on mm -hmm. one of the pancakes so you do have to change you you can't stay the same like I, I would I would love to be able to serve the same menu over and over for years mm -hmm. it makes it easy on me yeah. but you know you can't you have to change with the times whether it's um, you know we're doing fancier shakes now we have 
uh, a much more extensive alcohol menu. Mm -hmm. We do cocktails, mimosas, things that diners aren't traditionally known for. Mm -hmm. But I feel like diners in general, not just here, are evolving to more of... So, if I could backtrack a little. Yeah, sure, sure. I, think, I think in the 70s, when, di when diners are probably at their most popular, mm -hmm. they were known as like, they were overnight spots, like late night spots. Mm -hmm. And breakfast. Yeah. You know, you didn't see, you didn't really see a lot of, you know, lunch and dinner. We're like, ah, let me try grab a quick bite. I feel like the really successful diners have gone back to that uh -huh. brunch and late night bites and snacks. Mm. And yeah, what are your hours? Like? So we're we're 5 a.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely insane. <laughs> um, and I fight with my parents all the time. They want to be 24 hours. Uh -huh. uh, up until 2022. We were 24-7 for 23 years straight. We had not closed not one day, not one hour. Really? Yeah. So 21 or 22 years straight, I think how it was. Do you do, how do you staff that? I mean, is that not an absolute nightmare? It's a nightmare. It really is. It's so hard to find people at night. So you end up almost settling, you know, for just bodies and quality goes down. That, that was my biggest gripe about being open overnight. We just can't find good staff. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so it's really hard. You yeah, know, it's, it's about 70, yeah. 70 employees. Uh, if something happens, I'm getting phone calls. I've I've spent I've spent nights in here. It's not my I don't want to anymore. It's not what you're here for, yet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's not what you're in the business for, yet. No, no. Um, and just the whole. It used to be different. There was less places open. You know, now you have McDonald's open 24 hours, and not just McDonald's everywhere. It feels like 20 years ago when my parents opened this place, there was like three places that were open overnight. Mm -hmm. It was us, the deli, which had no cooked food, mm -hmm. and you know maybe maybe another drive-through. Uh -huh. Now, not only are places open 24 hours, they're also delivering 24 hours thanks yeah. to Uber and DoorDash. Mm -hmm. So we just don't, it's not the same. We don't have the same. Do you guys use Uber and DoorDash? And All of the above. All of them. And is that, is that challenging for you as well? I mean, because I know I speak to a lot of restaurants who have you have to balance the evils of it, obviously, the gripes of you know, the payments and stuff, but do you feel like you get value for money from those services? So I think, I, I think most restaurants uh, bump their prices yeah. for these third parties okay. because their take is 20% or 30%. Yeah. So not that our prices are 30% higher, but a slightly, yeah. slightly, you know, 5-10% just to kind of make up for it. Um, but they do provide a service. Like For me, we've been delivering for 20 years. Mm -hmm. so. Uh, it's definitely hurt us. Yeah, it saves you getting in the car. Though. <laughs> yeah, but I can see how it's much... Uh, let me speak for myself. Let me not speak for others. Mm -hmm. We've been delivering for 20 years. We've always had our own drivers. And the beauty of that as a customer is, like, I, I can tell you exactly who's taking your food, how long they've worked here, their name. Take responsibility for Exa Exactly, yeah. from, from start to finish. And do you still offer you guys delivery? We do. Okay, we and do. are your prices lower for that? Yes, they are. Okay, so, but people still find themselves going towards the apps, right? Yeah. Do you think you do, do you do more business through the apps, presumably? Then uh, we're equal, and about do, equal. Do you try and like move people across? Because I've seen some businesses, they like put flyers and the Uber. Ditto. Do you, yeah, do all we're, of that. we're doing flyer. We do flyers. We offer like fifty percent off your first order. Wow. So, just to get people used to ordering from from our site instead yeah. of. I mean, because a lot of the time, because it's quicker, it's cheaper. Like it makes no sense. Yeah. It's just uh, easy. But we just 
we can compare with all the options on uh, Grubhub. You yeah. know, you log into Grubhub, there's a thousand, literally yeah. thousands of restaurants yeah. now. Uh, we, we can't compete with that. And also, realistically, like we're an independent operator. Our app or our ordering uh, experience it's most swanky is. It's, yeah, cannot compare to an Uber or a Grubhub uh, or a DoorDash. It just can't. It's impossible. You, you have a menu and you can, make it, you can talk, right? Yeah. That's, uh, that's probably all you need, really. <laughs> yeah, but uh, other, like Grubhub has pictures, you know, True, other places yeah. have pictures. Uh -huh. They have, I mean, there's different algorithms that that tells you like, oh, John's logging in on Tuesday at 8 p.m. He always gets this. And he always gets pizza, exactly. Uh -huh. So we're not even going to be seen on the app. Yeah, He's not even going to try anything yeah. new. Or it's going to be six pizza places. Yeah, and you're not paying a fortune and getting promoted on it. And we're not even allowed to anymore in New York. Oh, really? Okay. It's so that's an prices, interesting change. prices locked. Okay, well, that's an interesting change because that's a big problem in Europe. It's that, like, the top 15, 20 places on... Well, in, in Europe, it's mostly Deliveroo or different apps are like always the same because it's just the companies that pay the most and then yeah. they get product placement. So I suppose that is, that's one benefit at least. I actually preferred it when you could pay. Because at least you would, yeah. Yeah, because then you, you can you use it as a do. form of advertisement. Yeah, and sure. then if, if you, know, you grab a couple of new customers, they order from you directly, they fall in love, and then they're coming sure. here. Yeah, yeah. So now I can't even like, because for me, I mean, it's essentially throwing my weight around because I am a bigger place, yeah. an independent operator. So yeah, I'll, I'll send a delivery and make zero dollars. It doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't bother me. Uh -huh. uh, if I can do five of those a day and be introduced to five new people, sure. that's amazing. Yeah, so it's almost a form of advertising. Exactly. Than, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Free advertising, essentially. Yeah. You know. yeah, that's the way to look at it. That's a much better way to look at it than some people I've spoken to. I like that a lot. <laughs> I wonder, the last question we always have is a dream dinner party. So you've got four people, dead or alive, who you're inviting and you have to serve them three diner dishes. So, <laughs> oh, I want to hear. I thought I was going to pick the people to invite. Well, you're going to pick the, you're gonna pick oh, the people Ramsey to invite. Ramsey three biggest enemies, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, don't know who they are. <laughs> Maybe Jamie Oliver, I don't know. I mean, throw, throw a dart, I'm sure we can find some. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I don't think he's short. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, okay, so yeah, four people, dead or alive, who are you choosing? So some people go for like one entertainer, politic. I mean like Taylor Swift, very popular choice these days. Obama's very popular choices, but you might want to go a little bit more out there. A lot of people choose family, uh, so you might want to choose your grandfather, you know, things like this. Oh. There's a whole range of options. Yeah, uh, wow. I feel kind of terrible and selfish, I didn't even think of family. No, the thing is, I actually <laughs> find family really annoying. Like, because. <laughs> It's, well, it's an awful thing If to I could say. see my dead grandfather again, that's well, yeah, like, kind of ways it's in. It's kind of biased, isn't it? Like, it is, it is. Obviously, we're all going to choose our loved ones. Of course. So, anyway, you're welcome to choose them still, but I think the celebrities are much more interesting. He, he, yeah, no, honestly, my, I loved my grandfather, but he was such an imposing, like, larger-than-life force <laughs> when I was young. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And, and I'm sure if I saw him now, like, he was like five foot two, <laughs> but, but he passed away when I was like 12. So I wasn't, you, you know, was, yeah, you never yeah I always saw yeah. him as this huge, larger than life human being, uh -huh. big, strong. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's see. I would definitely like to, like a philosopher, like a Plato probably, or Socrates would be on that list. How many people, three? Four. Four, I get four. Celebrity crush. <laughs> Celebrity crush is a great Jennifer one. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, my God. 
She also seems really cool, like really down to earth in the interviews I've seen. Uh -huh. um, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Plato. Uh -huh. Anybody living now? I'd probably love to hear from somebody maybe hated in history. Like, um, probably Stalin. Yeah, yeah it intrigues me more than Hitler. Hitler. But Stalin had that like crazy going on a sort of rant, and all, yeah. overall less intelligent probably than Stalin. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I don't want to get into picking out the intelligence of you know, awful leaders. But you, you never know. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, but yeah. So and one more. So we got our we got, we got our Plato. Stalin, we got our general love Plato. I mean, it's a fun dinner party. Oh, absolutely. I'm loving the vibe. <laughs> what about? A different musician. So not super into music. Not super into music. Sports person. Not really. Congratulations, you. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not saying it's not hard, no, but no, 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 I agree. Uh, you know, you're not you're not throwing a football or uh -huh. or playing basketball at a dinner party. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, yeah, there's nothing an athlete could tell me that I would want to hear. <laughs> They can tell, tell you how great their life is. Yeah, or not, no, not even how good. I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not discounting it. It is hard. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, every every job in life is hard, but it's all physical. And yeah. Unless we're not, we're talking about food. Yeah. I would. Is there a chef that you've always, always admired? It was <laughs> not anymore. Maybe, maybe it was Gordon, but now. Uh, yeah, there was. James Beard. Come on, quite a few times. I don't know much about Beard, honestly. This shouldn't be as hard as it is. It would be a famous chef. Like I'll fill it okay. in later, but it would be a famous chef. Awesome. And what dishes are we serving? Three diner dishes. Diner dishes. Diner dishes. We're doing. We're definitely doing meatloaf. Uh huh. Quintessential. I, I didn't appreciate it when I was younger, but now I'm like, give me a good meatloaf with mashed potatoes and, and, and gravy. Yeah, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, turkey club uh -huh. with hand cut fries. Uh -huh. That's one thing you got from Gordon Ramsay. You got some fries. They didn't work. My customers hated them. <laughs> I had probably, to go. They were probably English fries. Um, it, they just so we do fifty percent of our our um, business is takeout uh -huh. and fresh fries. No matter what you do, then they just yeah. don't travel well. The yeah. the store bought fries sense. or the frozen fries they have coatings on them you yeah. know it's a potato starch not yeah. nothing crazy but they just travel so much better uh, so we had yeah, a turkey sorry, third, third dish. yeah yeah giving you side chat there turkey club meatloaf and I guess the third would have to be oh damn it I can't choose now well you can go two if you like I can go two all right all right so then we're doing a cheeseburger we'll do family style uh, we're doing family we're doing definitely a cheeseburger. And um, eggs. We have to do eggs, like a well, like a pancake deluxe. So you get oh. your pancakes, ham, bacon, sausage, and eggs. You get a little bit of everything. You got everything. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for that. I'm very excited to try some food. Awesome. You have to try the mozzarella sticks. They're homemade. They're um, not most diners have a store-bought thing, but yeah. for here, you have to try the okay. mozzarella. They're so I good. Will. Thanks so much again to Cal for having me and also speaking so candidly about everything from Gordon Ramsay to who he'd want to have at his dream dinner party. Stay tuned for more from New York, that's both here on the podcast but also over on the website and the Instagram at Ollie Eats It All, that's O-L-I Eats It All. It's been an absolute pleasure bringing you these shows over the last few weeks and I'm now going to be taking a little break for Christmas. So I'll see you in the new year, have a very happy holiday.